Welcome to the Decisions That Matter podcast, where we meet with leaders from across the procurement community to discuss innovative and strategic ideas. Because when it comes to procurement, every decision matters. Hello and welcome to Decisions That Matter. I'm your host, Alex Stonehouse. And on today's episode of the podcast, I'm joined by Becca Moran, who is Procurated Senior Director of Product Management. This is Becca's second time on the program, and this is a really interesting episode where she shares her take and information on a variety of topics, ranging from her key takeaways from dozens of conversations with state and local governments over the last six to nine months, to a behind-the-scenes look at the evolution of Procurated's technology. Becca and her team are building dynamic tools, platforms, and communities for public purchasers so that they are armed with as much information as possible when they are going into buying decisions, and they can communicate with each other in a seamless way compared to old systems. Our first episode with Becca was one of the most popular of all time, so I hope you all enjoy this one as well. We had a lot of fun recording it. As always, this podcast is brought to you by Procurated. If you have a supplier experience that you'd like to share with any of your peers across the country, you can do so at www.procurated.com review to share your experience, or you can come and browse the site to search for suppliers under consideration, or find new suppliers and verticals where you have a Hope you enjoy. All right. Thank you for joining me today, Becca. For those listeners out there who might know, um, Becca Moran is our Senior Director of Product Management here at Procurated. And if you're a longtime listener, you might remember her from episode 11 uh, about merging technology and procurement from last summer. So almost a year ago, we recorded our first podcast together. This one, I believe, will be episode 41. So we've done Kind of wild. We're going to kind of try to pick up where we left off. I think at the time we thought the pandemic was about to end. And so we didn't really even get into kind of the new world or the new situation that we're in. So I guess my first question is, how has government's reliance on technology changed? Um, especially that digital technology since we last talked? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of variation kind of across the country. You know, I, I think that for some teams, the the shift to a distributed work environment was certainly challenging. I think it really depends on kind of what technology you already had in place. I think those governments that were already set up with e-procurement systems, for example, had a huge advantage to shifting to uh, remote work, just really getting rid of that dependency on on being in the office, on referring to paper files and things like that. So I think that was huge. And I think a lot of governments who didn't have those systems in place started to move quickly to, to prioritize that. I think connectivity is a big challenge. I think in states that are more rural and and where teams are are more dispersed, making sure that people have good high-speed internet connections, I think that's a a real challenge as well and not something that you can take for granted. Uh, I think if, if you're someone that lives in a more populous metropolitan area, you sometimes forget that there are lots of places where that kind of connection is is a little bit more challenging. So I think those are some of, of the key things. That said, I mean, I think a lot of people have also started to realize some very real benefits of working remotely, whether that's the time you get back in your day, not having to commute, or the ability to kind of switch very quickly from 
meeting to meeting, I know I was just thinking recently how amazing it is that we've been able to meet with state governments from all over the country and to not have to carve out entire days for travel time. It's amazing. And so to be able to have a meeting like that where I can demo our platform, uh, have a really productive conversation over Zoom or Teams, uh, and then right after that, go into uh, an internal meeting about what our goals are for the quarter. It's just not something I, I would have been able to do if we were still traveling and, and meeting with folks face-to-face. -face. So that's another real benefit, I think, where we've seen a lot of efficiency from having that kind of, of workflow. And then the last thing that I've been thinking a lot about recently is how distributed teams, remote teams, have adapted to the new way that we work collaboratively. I think one benefit of being remote is that people have more flexibility. So if you need to, um, you have an appointment during the day, or if it's better for you to get up early or work later in the day, I think people are realizing a lot of benefits to that kind of flexibility, but I think it can also be harder to have a set amount of time where people are together in one place and can have a, a live conversation. And so that's where I think that there's a big opportunity for teams to rethink what needs to be a meeting and what can be hashed out asynchronously. Uh, I know that's one of the, the things that we think about a lot internally is, you know, is this a, a live discussion or is this a document that we start to draft together and give each other feedback on? And so I think that that's an interesting trend. And I think about it in terms of our platform as well. So if you think about the reference check process, for example, so that's at the core of, of the problem that we're trying to solve. In the past, maybe if you were calling three references, that's something that you would have to do between the hours of nine and five, and you have to maybe play phone tag with somebody and try to get a hold of them. But then you look at a site like Procurated, and you can do that anytime you want, whenever that works into your schedule to go and read those reviews. Not only do you have access to feedback, probably beyond what you would have if a supplier is giving you those references or kind of what you've got in your network anyway. So your reach is expanded. But then again, you have that flexibility that that information is there. You can fit that into your process however you like. And so I think we'll see more and more people start to look for opportunities like that where they can accomplish what they're trying to accomplish on the schedule that works for them. And I think some of these tools that allow people to do that asynchronously um, are going to be incredibly helpful for people. A, a little bit of a kind of behind the scenes to go a bit deeper on, on your team. So you manage one of the bigger teams or the biggest team, I guess, at Procurated with the engineers and development team, along with some of our UI, UX design, things like that. What have you kept from the kind of the old world, like um, morning check-ins or one-on-ones, things like that? And what has actually mm -hmm. changed? Yeah. You know, one of the things that I like about working with technology teams is that there's this really great template, I think, with um, some of the agile processes that 
um, uh, product and engineering teams tend to follow. Um, and a lot of what we did in person uh, along those lines does translate to a remote team. Um, and so, for example, we have always done a, a daily standup. Now it's virtual. I would actually say it, it happens with much more consistency than it ever did when we were in the office. And again, that may be when we were in the office, I ended up traveling more, had sometimes had to miss those meetings, or we might get sidelined by some other time-sensitive thing that popped up. So now we're pretty consistently doing those stand-ups each day, and it's just a really good rhythm, I think, to, and it's short, 15 minutes, the beginning of every day, everyone goes around and describes very quickly what they accomplished the day before, what they're working on today, are they blocked by anything, um, and I think it's just a really good opportunity to get a read on, on all of the moving parts and, and knowing what's going on. It's also just a nice opportunity to connect with everybody and, and see everybody's face at least once a day, even if it's uh, just a quick meeting. So the standups have been really great. I think we've benefit a lot from those. Yeah, I almost think you've heard, uh, I'm sure you've heard similar stories of people who are setting up kind of fake commutes for themselves where they'll like mm -hmm. go for a walk around the block. Or um, I've heard one of somebody who, um, a guy who get, goes outside, gets in his car at the end of the day, drives around the block, comes in his own house where he just worked all day and greets his kids and is like, I'm home. And, and they look <laughs> at him like, you're insane. You're a crazy right. person. But to him, it's like, I'm come, I'm like ending my work day, starting my home life. Or like, yeah. I think I think the same is probably true for that morning stand-up where it's, that, that serves the purpose of the commute of, all right, I had breakfast, I went for a jog this morning, whatever you did. Now I'm switching into work mode, getting like firing on all cylinders and you kind of ease your way into it over the course of that 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever it is. Yeah, so that works really well for us. And, and I, I think it helps us flag things too that may warrant a longer discussion, right? So we don't try to cram all that into to stand up if um, those things pop up, but we know okay, we need to make sure that we prioritize that conversation uh, at some point during the day. So yeah, standups have been one really good thing for us. We've, I think we've also just really refined our process generally. Um, part of that has just been out of necessity as our team has grown. So um, we hired uh, three new people in December or very end of November in 2020. I think there were, were some things that we were doing very process light. We didn't want to add too much process overhead that as our team got a little bit bigger, it was like, we should actually kind of document like how we do things, how we prioritize our work and how we plan. And so the team did a really nice job of, of coming together and a lot of people kind of taking things from teams they've been a part of in the past and, and things that have worked well for them, kind of piecing that all together and, and really helping us create that playbook. So one of the things that we started doing, which I think has been really beneficial, is uh, a retrospective. So at the end of each sprint, and we do two-week sprints, the team will meet and talk about what worked, what didn't, how can we continue to refine our process. Um, and I think that really allows us to have this eye towards continual improvement, uh, which I think you can apply to pretty much everything. But um, this helps us kind of bring that lens to our process. And, you know, you don't have to 
figure out the perfect way to do things overnight. If you have that commitment to saying, okay, what small tweak can we make over the next two weeks that allows us to work a little bit better together? Great, let's try that. And sometimes we try things and they don't work and then we don't do it anymore. And so that's been really beneficial again, to get into a better habit around that. And I think the other thing that I would say that's one of the things that I think we were most worried about before we uh, went remote or, or kind of as we were making that transition was, you know, what about those really valuable interactions where maybe I'm standing behind our, our UX designer, George, and looking at something that he's working through live and giving him feedback on that process or what about a session that we would normally brainstorm ideas on a, a whiteboard? And, you know, it was as we thought about not being able to do those things together in person again, um, there was real concern. But I think what we found is that there's so many great tools to do that stuff virtually. And uh, you really can replicate that experience in so many ways. So I think about a design review we did recently um, with our, our designer, George, who uses a tool called Figma. And it's awesome. Like you can click on uh, this button and as he moves about the kind of canvas where his design is, it follows his cursor. And it's, it's the same thing as if I was standing over his shoulder. And, you know, lots of cool whiteboarding tools and workflow kind of mapping tools. All of that stuff, I think, has been able to fairly seamlessly recreate that experience that we had in person and allowed us to keep moving forward and, and getting our work done without really skipping a beat. So that's been very cool. Yeah, it's been really interesting to watch from both like within the company, but also just to see how things are evolving from a product standpoint and all of that. Started as this group of people in DC and it was a handful of people and then we doubled in size and we were all still in the office together. And obviously the core group of people who are still from here from DC are all extremely talented and I wouldn't trade a single one of them. And I love them all, but also this move, this ability to do things online, ability to work asynchronously, it opens up the talent pool to like to the whole country, right? It's just kind of shameless plug for anyone who's looking for a future mm -hmm. job. It doesn't matter where you are now. And what's cool about that is that flexibility and getting those systems in place and the things that you mentioned, that then does flow into the product and into the ability to push things out for our users and for our customers on both the government side of things um, and on the supplier side for the companies that are working to reach those, those governments. So would you mind maybe talking about um, a few of the kind of new features that might have come up since last time we talked? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit in terms of just places where we heard some very clear feedback from our state partners and, and how we brought that into our experience. So um, uh, I think the, the first one to, to highlight is we've done a lot of work over the last year, year and a half, I think, in terms of how our platform can be used for vendor performance management. So it wasn't something that we had really thought about when we first built out the platform. It was really about how can we use uh, supplier reviews and, and how can buyers use that in the process of finding new suppliers, evaluating those suppliers, and you know how can that 
informed decisions about the next supplier that a, a, a buyer works with. As we talked to uh, some of our state partners, the team in, in Massachusetts specifically, um, they were really interested in how do we use this information to better manage the suppliers that we have on contract already. So, you know, feeling like they didn't have a ton of insight into how those suppliers were performing for their customers, the state agencies and local governments. And so really did a lot to take that same feedback on, um, on vendor performance and just format it in a way that was really geared towards um, a contract manager, somebody that's having that quarterly business review and wants to go into that conversation uh, with some real insights and some data about how that supplier is performing and, and be able to have a, a data-driven conversation with them. So that's that was a big piece. And we've also been able to take some of that functionality and think about it as a way to compare suppliers on a contract, right? So if you're looking at a contract and the suppliers that are on that contract and their ratings based on all of the uh, ratings and reviews that we've collected, then that helps solve for uh, the question of, hey, if I am looking at a state contract where there's multiple suppliers and I want to find the one that is performing best uh, and work with them, how do I do that? So that's another kind of angle that we've been able to, to kind of take with this data. And so that has become this contract comparison tool where there is an easy way to just pull up a contract, see all the suppliers on that contract and see the ratings and reviews of those suppliers from buyers like you in your state. So that's been a good chunk of work, but I think really addresses some needs that we heard from the community. Another area that we've made a lot of improvements is just to our search functionality. So there's a few pieces to that. One piece is just making sure that we have enough reviews in all of our states that we partner with and beyond so that when you search for suppliers and, and are looking to read those reviews that you have good, good content there. That's kind of step one. That's really what we had been thinking about since day one. But once we kind of reached that point where we knew we had a good amount of content, we started to think, okay, how do we, one, make sure that we're always surfacing the most relevant suppliers when someone searches? So, you know, if you type in a, a term like cleaning supplies, making sure that all of the businesses that provide cleaning supplies uh, show up on your list of results and that they're businesses that serve your area. So that's a key thing too, is making sure that all of the suppliers in our system are labeled with some commodity code data so that we understand what types of products and services they sell and who they sell to. So you, know, you don't want to see a search result for a business on the East Coast that doesn't serve a West Coast customer if you're located on the West Coast. So figuring out those things, which maybe seem fairly obvious, but you know, the devil's always in the details. And just making sure that the the design and the user experience around that is clean and clear and that that search functionality is really front and center when folks log into our site and are looking to find a supplier that 
that search is, is right there for them to jump into. So those are, are some of the bigger things that we've been working on, uh, at least in terms of our, our government user community. Those are all really great examples. And I think they, they showcase the beauty of being at the, the size that we're at now, where we're a big enough team and have enough people and enough uh, kind of power behind what we're doing to make a big impact. But we also still have the ability to be agile, where if somebody says, hey, you know, it would be really helpful for our government and would probably be other governments would probably be interested in as well. Like we can go build that. We can do it and, and, and deliver that to the people who need it. And then that just trickles over to every single user who's on, on the platform. So very cool to see. And, and, and for me, a, a pleasure to market it for sure. What are you most looking forward to for Precariat its future, whether that's things that we're going to accomplish hopefully here in Q2 um, or things that might be a little bit farther down the road? One of the things that I'm most excited about, but is also just a, a big unknown, is what other ways can we convene the community of public procurement professionals on our platform? So, you know, one of the things that was really a, a formative experience for me uh, when I first joined Procurated and was learning about the world of public procurement, um, we went to NIGP Forum in Austin in 2019, and it was just such a cool opportunity to see this community kind of live together in one place and just feel that energy and the camaraderie around people sharing that, that common bond and understanding of the challenges that they face day to day and how rewarding and satisfying um, these roles in public procurement really can be. And there's so much of a willingness I, for the public procurement community to help one another. And again, obviously those dynamics have um, changed significantly in over the last year, not being able to attend events like that and, and connect with people in the same ways. Um, but I think we've all seen, whether it's in our, our personal lives or professional lives, that we've found ways to stay connected digitally. And so I think there's still so much of an opportunity for us to provide a, a platform for that, to be the place where this community is able to come together online, whether it's to ask one another questions or share insights or um, you know, give each other um, you know, suggestions, feedback, tips and tricks, um, whatever it is, I think um, there's there's a real opportunity for that. Um, and I'm excited to, to think a little bit more about that with our team and, and think about how we can build features and functionality that really uh, uh, lend itself to that. So um, that's, I think that's one area that I'm really excited to explore in 2021. I couldn't agree more. The next question that I, I wanted to ask you is, who would you say is your most and least favorite colleague on the procurement? <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Um, I would say they're, they're both you, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true. I'm your most favorite when you're not on a, on a call. Yeah, we'll check and hide. <laughs> I obviously am really happy with the way things have gone since we last, last chatted, and it's been really interesting to kind of see how things evolve in this new world, and I can't wait to to talk to you again in nine months from now and 
maybe we'll occasionally back it, be back in an office together, and I'm sure there will be a, a, a whole boatload of changes on, on the procured site. So uh, thanks again for, for hopping on here with me today. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Decisions That Matter. This podcast is brought to you by Procurated, the leading supplier evaluation tool for procurement professionals across the U.S. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen. See you again next time.